Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go in-depth on all things Cyclones. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Welcome to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Coming to you on this Monday evening. He's Randy Peterson. I'm Travis Hines. We're going to talk all things Iowa State Athletics. Randy, what's up? Oh, hi. I'm sorry. I was I was looking at Iowa State stats, um, and it, it's not really pretty. I'm good. Looking up. No more snow. Weather got up to be kind of decent today. So, yeah, maybe spring is upon us. Huh. Yeah. I, I had birds outside my house today, so I, it seems that uh, we're close, which means March is right around the corner, which means you want to start playing your best basketball here pretty soon. And uh, not exactly what's happening for the Iowa State men after an 0-2 week, close loss on the road to West Virginia on Wednesday, and then come home and do not play particularly well, and maybe even poorly, on Saturday against Oklahoma State, who seems to have – that they seem to have – Iowa State's number these last few years. They've won three times in a row at Hilton Coliseum. Came back from 16 down last uh, time they played in Stillwater. You'll remember they held Iowa State to like 36 points in the game at Hilton last year. Um, So Mike Boynton's team seems to be a real problem for TJ Altselberger's. But I thought as much of anything, this was about Iowa State getting completely, to use their term, out of character. And I think that was a good way of describing it. That was not the Iowa state team that we've seen be successful and put themselves in the big 12 title hunt uh, throughout this season. Uh, that was just uh, a very strange performance. I felt like from Iowa state. Yeah. And I mean, and the guys that lost their composure, that was, that was, uh, um, that was surprising to me. I mean, Caleb, I mean, I mean, my gosh, I mean, if you didn't, if people didn't see it in the, on, on TV, they can replay it or they saw it at the game. I mean, that was, that was really out of character. And he was out of sorts. It looked like just from the beginning. And this isn't a bash on Caleb grill either. You know how much I like him. It's um, he's playing hurt. He's trying to do his, he's doing his best playing hurt. Um, Some things did not go his way early in the game from a officiating standpoint, maybe from a trash talking standpoint of, of Oklahoma state. And let's not forget that. I think once Ams, what's his name? Asbury discovered that he could get under Caleb's skin a little bit. Um, he kept up the trash talking. And then finally um, at the very end, it, it, it crescendoed. So that's one of those things you were talking about. And it came from TJ actually, where, where this team's got to do a better job keeping it's it's composure and it just it just wasn't Caleb. I mean, Gabe had moments. I mean, uh, the uh, um, um, Holmes he he got annoyed sometimes and sometimes I don't know whether it's the officiating. I don't know whether 
the players are, and this is probably wrong to say this, but the players might be playing off the crowd because anymore, any, any foul gets any foul, not just against Iowa state, but, but anywhere in the country, any foul fans, it seems like fans, whoever, whichever the game is, which whoever they're cheering for are going to get on the opponents. And I've never really seen Iowa state players, um, um, get wrapped up in that, but maybe, maybe that had something to do with this thing too. And then the, the unexplainable, um, uh, misses from the, from the free throw line, um, all in all, and we haven't even talked about the play in the post yet. All in all, it was, it was, it was the worst I'd seen. And I, maybe this year, and I'm open for, for argument about the game at Iowa or what the Texas tech game, um, in Lubbock, I'm open for argument about those, but, but this was, this was certainly out of character for, for the, whatever it is, 50 games, whatever. I don't know how many games TJ's coached at Iowa state, but certainly out of character. Yeah. I think there were probably a couple of things going on all at the same time. I mean, you're probably not going to win very often as Iowa state. If you're three lead guards go five for 25 as grill Holmes and Kelsher did on Saturday. I mean, that's a pretty big hole to climb out of when those three guys, none of them are putting the ball in the basket. And then Randy, you mentioned, I think there were seven for 19 from the free throw line Mm -hmm. with four front ends and one and ones missed. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just a, a recipe for losing a basketball game, no matter where you're playing it. But I also think in terms of losing their composure and I think the way TJ talked about it after the game was that they were consumed by other things rather than the toughness defense first ball pressure that they're supposed to be is I think the officiating is in their head, frankly. And I don't know if that has been a slow burn all year long that exploded with the 30 fouls at West Virginia, but I think they're frustrated with how they're being officiated. And I think it's in their heads now and they got to get over that, frankly. I mean, when you play the way Iowa State plays, you're going to be called for a lot of fouls. You can't build your identity and your foundation on toughness, ball pressure, defense, and not expect to foul a lot. Like, that's what's going to happen. Now, you can say the officiating isn't very good or Iowa State's getting an unfair whistle. That's fine. But talking about it and complaining about it on the floor is not going to do anything to change it. And I think we saw at West Virginia and then we saw late against Oklahoma State where being consumed by that, being distracted by that, bled into other areas of the game. And I think the other part of being bothered, distracted, consumed by officiating is sometimes I think you can get, you can adopt a a victim mentality that they're out to get us or it's not fair for us. And that is uh, toxic brew for a basketball team to live with now you can turn that around to us against the world like if you frame it that way maybe that can be positive for you but uh, to me it seemed a lot more of frustration pouting and complaining from Iowa State which is just not going to get the job done and I think that they're probably mentally tough enough to to figure it out and pull back the reins on that direction that they're going in but that's the impression that I got is just that the officiating is in their heads yeah, and I'll argue that the that the officiating in the Big Twelve is among the best in the country. At least the officials that we see, you and I, Travis, and, and the team sees on a regular basis. Um, I, I will 
for the most part, I will defend the the officials. I said for the most part, basketball is becoming a tough team or tough game to referee, especially at this level. It's becoming almost an impossible game to work, um, given given everything that's out there. And every time there's a block charge, I create. I look over at you, and you're typing something about dumb rule or or something. Um, and I agree with you. I 100% agree with you. Um, um, yeah, I mean, what what what? That's that's an impossible. Um, nobody calls it the same. It's like pass interference um, in football or targeting. I guess it would be targeting in um, in in football. Um, but officiating had nothing to do with Iowa State missing, what did we say, 7 of 19 or actually 7 of 23, as TJ said. Um, I mean, I look at like the, the, officiating the is like officiating is like weather, right? You can complain about it, but you can't control it. And exactly, exactly. Um, it's, I mean, I do think like there are issues of games being called unevenly. I mean, like the start of the second half of that game on Saturday was just painful with how many fouls there were early. Wednesday but are the night. officials supposed to have a counter? On, when, um, I agree. I agree. Wednesday was unbearable with the 50 foul calls, but that those are bigger picture issues. You know, that's not an Iowa State issue. That's a college basketball issue. Iowa yeah. State's got to just play defense and they got to make shots. Right. Right. But do you think, let me let me interrupt here. Do you think that Huggins gets a whistle, for example, when they're playing at home? Do you think Bill Self gets a whistle when they're playing at home? Do you think um, Scott Drew gets a whistle when when Baylor's playing at home. Do you think Iowa State gets a whistle when it's playing at home? I'm asking you, Travis. I, I do think that Iowa State gets a friendlier whistle at home, but probably not to the degree that other the schools okay. that you name, like right, like right or wrong, and probably wrong. I do think that those long tenured, hugely accomplished coaches for the history of college basketball have gotten better whistles, right? Like that's just kind of the way it goes. Like you go, I, I saw somebody post a uh, a news report from like 40 years ago about Coach K complaining that Dean Smith got a better whistle from ACC officials. So like this, this is not new, right? And again, like it's a bigger discussion about officiating in college basketball than we're probably, you know, able to have on this show tonight. But the the reality is for Iowa State, they're just gonna have to deal with whatever the officiating is. I mean, you can hope that it is in your favor if you're Iowa State. You can have legitimate gripes about things, but ultimately, like you gotta play between the lines and win the basketball game. Like it's not gonna do any good to to complain about the officiating. And like the officiating didn't go five for twenty-five or seven for nineteen, right? So that's to me like now the question becomes like is this a st- systemic issue within that locker room and not just the officiating stuff but just the way they play Saturday or is it a blip? I tend to think it's likely a blip because this team has been really good throughout the season and the way they played Saturday was not it was just different than how they played all year long. It wasn't like they'd been sliding into this direction for a couple of weeks. It just felt like a huge departure from who they are and I don't think that is likely to stay yeah and i would watch it on i guess i would watch the sunday morning i said i wasn't going to but i did um and it was as bad it, it was it was worse watching it than it on 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 the replay 
than it was watching it in person because I could stop and replay it and put it in slow-mo. And, and yeah, this was just a total fundamental breakdown. Now, I'm with you. I think this is a blip. We'll find out when uh, 8 o'clock Wednesday night against TCU at Hilton. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing this is a blip. I'm guessing that TJ's got their ear. Um, that they've that they will have had a couple days, three days, however many days of very aggressive practices, whether it be mentally aggressive, whether it be aggressive, um, um, just normal aggressiveness that they that they do in practice. I'm guessing that that this team is over that. And let's not forget, Iowa State went into the NCAA tournament last year with a three game losing streak. And getting absolutely walloped in those games. And getting walloped in those games. And 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 what happened in the first two games? Uh, they beat LSU and uh, they beat Wisconsin. So, I mean, this isn't exactly the end of the world. Iowa State's still going to get in the tournament. I mean, unless they really crash. And I can't cannot see that happening. Um, for fans who wanted to... Or we're hoping for a regional in Des Moines. I think you can speak to that better than I, Travis, because you're more up to date on that stuff. But Iowa State's going to have to get its act together for that to happen a little bit. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, unless the wheels totally fall off, I, this is this is not the world's coming to an end thing. It's TJ's second year too. Let's not forget that. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that ended on Saturday was <laughs> any real viability to winning the big 12 and that was already going to be a stretch that you were probably going to have to steal at least one road game if not two to do that and go perfect at home so i think that is likely out the window which again is no no huge failure for a team pick to finish eighth in the league to not uh, be in it down to the stretch but and i don't think they did any major damage to their ncaa tournament resume but they're gonna have to start winning games again Pretty soon, I think you got to win your home games and maybe steal a road game, and then you're feeling pretty good about getting Des Moines. They're going to but... steal the road game. It'd have to be a Baylor. Well, maybe Texas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Texas like, a Baylor. It, it, it ain't going to be easy, Randy. Or K State. I'm sorry, but like, yeah, it obviously easy, those would be big resume wins. But you know, some of it too is going to be how other teams around the country fare. Especially, right. you know, Kansas and Kansas State are going to be in contention for that spot in Des Moines too. So th- there's a lot of work yet to do, but some of it's going to be out of Iowa State's hands now. You got to win your home games. I, you lose another home game, and then I start getting a little worried if I'm an Iowa State fan. Um, and like those aren't going to be a walk in the park either. You got a ranked TCU team coming to town that you needed a, you know, a desperation step back triple from Kelsher to beat down there, and you got West Virginia back here, and then Oklahoma that you know you almost blew that one down there too. So it's the Big Twelve, man. It's hard. It's hard. But uh, the the flip side of that is there are no bad losses and they're only good wins. Like they're gonna, it's quad ones all the way down. Yeah, um, I, I no, I agree. But let me back up. Do you think there's a chance? I mean, unless they they flip out totally, that they not make the NCAA tournament? I don't see that happening. No, I mean they'd have to lose out, and then I still think you're probably looking at maybe like a first yeah, four. exactly, exactly. I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I just wanted to. Yeah, I, I um. What I looked at the at the thing at the net just before we came on, and I don't, you know, I don't know whether the net's the be all end all, but it's pretty darn close. Um, and they're 16 in the net, number 16, and that's the, what the last four seed. 
So, I mean, and last year, would they go in at the tournament? 11 seed? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, this is not dire by any stretch, but it would be nice if they can get some momentum back going just to prove to themselves that that uh, that this was a blip. Um, and I suspect that, like I said, I suspect that they'll come out on Wednesday and play hard. And, um, um, you know, we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, like, they got to get healthy, too. Like, Caleb's – like, we talked a lot about him falling out of that game. Yeah. But, like, his back does not look right. Like, there was I mean, one he doesn't even – that's one of the things – I'm sorry, I interrupted you. That's one of the things on, I watched on TV. I mean, he's running straight up and down, it looks like. Um, he dove for that loose ball. It was oh, one that of, like, hurt. The, yeah, it was painful to watch. Like, obviously, he is not himself. And when but, your good whole – Good for him to give it a yeah. shot. Yeah, I mean, you you wonder though, like, does he just need like go take a week? Which it's hard to do in February, you know, to say you know sit sit you down when you're you know probably okay to play, but not able to get back to that 80, 90, 100 percent healthy as long as you play. I mean, it's it's a tough call, and just with the back, and you know, I noticed too in the last couple games, he's gone to wearing that back brace right. while he's out of the game, which he hadn't been doing before, so. You know, I think they're really trying their best to keep that back loosened up as best they can. Um, and obviously, it's it looks like it might be a thing that he's dealing with the rest of the year. Yeah, with I don't, but yeah, and and man, I don't know, I don't know who they replace him with though. I mean, he's he's so valuable. I don't. Um, they'd have to alter the rotation big time. But uh, you know, I and mean, that's not even happening yet. Don't, don't get me wrong. But uh, I agree with you, though. Maybe he needs a few days, um, a few games away. You're listening to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. When we come back, we'll talk some more Iowa State hoops and talk a little about some Iowa State football as well. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. He's Randy Peterson. I'm Travis Hines. If you missed any of the first segment, be sure to check it out wherever it is you get your podcast to hear us talk all about the Iowa State men's basketball team. The women's team is playing as we speak against Texas, so we're not really going to spend time on the women who have lost three straight going into that Texas game right now. Randy, I did want to put a little bit of a bow on on the men's side of of that discussion. I am interested to see what they're going to do with their post-rotation because I do think now that Jazz Koontz is back, I think I'd probably, if I was an Iowa State fan, probably want to see more lineups with him at the five. Um, to give Iowa State some more guards on the floor, some more spacing, some more shooting, um, and maybe tighten up the rotation a little bit. Yeah, I would just I would just do a quick some quick math here as you were talking. Yeah, I mean Robert Jones right now he's a liability. I'm mean, when he's at the free throw line. I mean you don't think the other the opponents don't know it. I mean my gosh, he's like 18 out of his last 46. That's from the free throw line in the last. It's not, it's not very good. That's not very good. Um, and for a, for a big guy who plays in the post, gets banged around, um, um, as aggressive as, as TJ wants his guys to be going to the boards, um, 
and Iowa State always always you know seeking paint touches on every possession. Yeah, he's going to go to the free throw line, and he's got to start making those or sit down or sit out for a while, and then once until you figure it out. And then you're right with Jazz coming back, but Jazz isn't that banger like that. I don't think. Um, and soon he can't play. He cannot play 40 minutes. I mean, he's he's usually what first TV timeout. He comes out for couple minutes or so just a quick breather and and then goes back in but uh um yeah i was they've got some figuring out to do in the post because it, it's certainly um it's certainly not performing up to what what it was earlier um and maybe they're tired i don't know yeah and i mean i think like the jones stuff too i mean i think maybe a criticism that you can point towards the coaching staff is to me, I feel like the offense doesn't change in regards to the post. When he comes in, they're still giving him the post touches that Oshun is getting. And the difference is, is Shun shooting like 61% from the floor and Roberts at 45. I mean, they're just, and obviously like they're just different skill level players that I don't, to me, it doesn't necessarily make sense to use them the same offensively. You know, Robert gets kind of pinned under the basket a lot and gives him tough angles to finish in those post moves. Um, and that has led to, you know, some struggle there. But I do think he does give you stuff defensively. Obviously, he plays incredibly hard, and that could be part of it too, is just that Otzelberger wants somebody out there setting the tone in terms of how hard you got to play on every possession. Uh, but certainly, you know, between the free throws and just not shooting it as well as Shun, I, I just think that they're – they probably need to use him differently offensively than they use Shun because Shun, like the Shun post touch to me is like, that's a pretty good offense. I don't usually love back to the basket stuff, but when you're shooting 61%, that's good offense. So we'll see. I take my Wednesday. chances with that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Wednesday night, Iowa State plays TCU at home at eight o'clock. Randy, you got a chance last week while I was on the road in Morgantown to spend some time with new Iowa State uh, offensive assistants. Jordan Langs and Ryan Clanton takeaways from their first time meeting the media. Uh, Clanton is the offensive line coach. Langs is the running backs and special teams coordinator. I was blown away with Ryan Clanton, to be quite honest with you. I think he's going to be he's going to be fun to work with, fun for us to work with. Um, and I, I got a a text message after he after the after the session he after I talked to him. And one of the, the the guys who used to work with him at Northern Iowa said said the same thing I said. He said, "You guys are going to enjoy. You're going to enjoy Ryan Clanton, um, and he's good. He's he's good. And that, that the uh, he said he wants guys with with bad intentions. Uh, I mean, he wants the baddest ass on the field. Plan plan offensive line. He that's what he wants. And I guess maybe." All coaches want that, but to hear him him talk about what he's looking for, um, and then he, he he talked throughout his the, the time I he, he was talking, he sprinkled in Ryan Penning a few times, and why not? Um, offensive first first round um, offensive line first round draft choice offensive lineman that that Clanton had at Northern Iowa. I mean, this kid was was I read somewhere. Um, that he looked more like a kicker coming out of of high school than um, a potential 
first round draft choice All-American. And that's a credit to to Northern Iowa. It's a credit to Clanton who developed him. He knows how to develop offensive linemen. And that's what Iowa State's not done in the past. Matt Campbell correctly calls the program a developmental program. Well, Iowa State's I'm not going to go over the stats in here, but Iowa State's not developing offensive linemen. And I think Ryan Clanton, just from the little bit that I talked to him and from what others have said um, around him, I think this could be the guy. I mean, it can't be any, it can't hurt any. And special teams coordinator yeah. at long last, as Iowa State fans have been <laughs> clamoring, clamoring for. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, He's a former head coach at where Indiana somebody, Illinois Wesleyan, Indiana Wesleyan, some Wesleyan, and um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a good thing, and he's he's gonna. I think I'm guessing it sounds like it sounds like he's going to spend most of his time on the special team side of things, and that is that is a good thing. I would say it hasn't had, you know, people ask to talk about Joe Houston. Joe Houston was quality control. And yeah, he was quality control in, in charge of of the special teams in 2016 and 17 for Campbell, but he couldn't work on the field, couldn't work directly with the players. So I'm looking at at this being a very positive move, and I'm I'm guessing that, or I'm not guessing. I ask him point blank: Does he have what kind of faith does he have in the kickers? Because we've all seen them. And and he said that he's got faith in Jace Gilbert, but the kicking is opening up, is going to be opened up. And Iowa State's got a walk-on coming from Dubuque Senior, whose name escapes me, who I understand can be pretty good. He's Randy Peterson. I'm Travis Hines. This has been the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNL. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.